0: Hello and welcome back, Um, so I'll just let our poets take their seats. Um, So the National Poetry Competition was launched in 1978 and the first competition ran over the 78-79 winter of discontent and who can imagine now a time (laughs) of such misery and turmoil and uh, in case you, you didn't know it, the first winner um, of the competition was Michael Hulse with a poem called Dole Cue." Um, just to take that little bit of memory back. But yeah, it's funny how things can come back round again. Um, our first judging panel was Ted Hughes, Gavin Hewitt, and a very, very young Fleur Adcock. And Fleur's here tonight, so that's nice. Thank you very much for coming. Um... So tonight we wanted to celebrate, you know, we're we're, we're listening to 10 readers of the so many poets who have participated over the years. Um, So we just also just wanted to thank everyone who has ever sent us a poem. If you've won, congratulations. If you were cruelly overlooked, (laughs) we salute you all the more. And maybe this year is going to be your year. I think you've all been given uh, an anthology and there's a card in there as well and if you give us the card back this evening filled out you'll get a free entry to the next National Poetry Competition that enters in May so go on you know if you've kind of like got something in a drawer, or you don't do competitions anymore you've never written anything but you think you might get something written before the 31st of October which is this year's deadline use a card do that so so we have five more wonderful poets to hear, and in the first of these we are going to hear from Fran Locke and Liz Berry, if you'd like to come up. so. Liz is going to read first, and um, as I'm sure many of you know, her first collection, Black Country, published by Chateau, um, received a Somerset Mourn Award, won the Geoffrey Faber Memorial Award, Forward Prize for Best First Collection. Um, Her pamphlet, The Republic of Motherhood, published by Chateau last year, um, was a PBS pamphlet choice and was shortlisted for the Michael Marks Award. And the title poem won the Forward Prize for Best Single Poem in 2018. And she was commended in 2011 with a wonderful poem about a pigeon, Birmingham Roller. Fran Locke um, is the author of five poetry collections, Flat Rock, The Mystic and the Pig Thief, Dog Tooth, Muses and Bruises, and Ruses and Fuses. Um, and Contains Mild Peril will be published by Outspoken Press this spring. Franz, a postdoctoral candidate undertaking a practice-based PhD at Birkbeck on the relationship between the epistolary form in contemporary poetry and the use of letters in therapeutic contexts. And although she has not won the competition twice, she has three times been among the winners, which is... um, Getting up there um, uh, amongst that, so Fran is like we always look out, expect there to be a Fran poem. And for the last in 2014, 15, and 16, we were lucky enough to have um, winning poems um, in the competition: "Epistle," hmm, see is that was "Epistle from Inside the Shark Nado," "Gentleman Caller," and "Last Exit to Luton." And before we hear from them, we thought a lo- one of the things we've been doing for quite a few years is um, is making film poems of the winning poems of the National Poetry Competition. Um, sometimes we do some of them, sometimes we manage to do all of them. And we thought just to get a flavour of that, we would just um, play you the film that Helmy Still made of Don Berry's poem, Um, And that's just been, that has been winning loads and loads of film poem awards. And it's great the way the competition can sort of move things in different directions as well. So before we hear from Fran and Liz, um, Don Berry's poem um, made by Helmy Still.
1: boys, a calf's tongue each, one task, to gulp each slick muscle down in turn, to swallow each vein whole, and not give back a word, a sign, our mother's names, the scab stripped off, the ritual learned, five boys step out across an empty field, five boys step out across an empty field to find a fire already made the task to dock then brand a single lamb we learnt fast how to hold then cut then turn each tail away to print in it our names our ownership we dock we brand give iron the skin until at last its legs give. Four boys step out across an empty field, each small child waiting for a name, our own name to be called, the next task ours to own. Ours to slice into, to shear off skin Until we learnt the weight of it One by one we learnt the force our bodies hold The subtle give our own hands have How not to turn our gaze Three boys stand in a frozen field, each child stripped and hosed, the next task not to read the wind, but learn each name we have for snow, each name we have given to the world, to then unlearn ourselves ourself this is the hardest task to have nothing left, no thing but heat to give. boys step out across an empty field still waiting for the call, waiting for our turn, waiting to become, to dig to turn at last our hands into the soil the name the weakest as an offering the field open to a grave the last chore not to learn the ground but taste it closed I don't give back Surprise, I am the task That what the land gives It must then learn to turn back into soil One child, a name, its task to steal Five boys turned from an empty field
2: Good evening everybody such a joy to be here with you this evening and thanks so much to the poetry society and to all the wonderful poets who are keeping me company tonight i'll start with my commission poem the suburbs the suburbs in rain are a snow globe full of tears doll's house streets looping upon themselves Pigeons without the enchantment, sunlight lends their wings Every tight cul-de-sac sluiced of joy And small, so small i torch it all on those days just to feel some fire Burn off my prints on the flames and disappear I dreamt of that often when the children were young Elbow deep in dishwater or arguing about shoes my world miniaturised, the deluge always thrumming at the frayed edge of my thoughts, the mermaid beglamoured to foam on the waves, the river's bride pounded to a gleaming flint. It was in my school that morning, driving to playgroup, the baby fussing, my eldest chattering until my brain rattled like a ship in a bottle. Past the garages, The dentist, the lonely strip-lit halls of the supermarket, the little school like a restless bee scalp mizzle falling ceaselessly. Then suddenly, the queer dark sign on the Baptist church. Is this life all that there is? And I slammed on my brakes. Shot so violently and purely through the heart, the vision drawn from my chest like a splinter. My son's small clothes on the radiator and no one to dress them, brush the wisps of their hair or hurry to them when they walk mumbling in the dark, no song but rain. My boy called my name and I gasped like one dragged from a wave. With his breath in my mouth and his fear in my lungs. I'm here, I'm here. How I longed for it then. That sodden town. My children sleeping safe like animals in their fur. Our flimsy white door bolted against the storm. How I longed for that life. Its tenderness and fury. Its torrential fall to be all that there is, and for that to be enough. I'll read a new spring poem now. Um, This poem's called Highbury Park, and it's about a beautiful, quite wild park near where I live in Birmingham, Um, and nothing at all to do with football. I feel I should say that because when this poem was published online a few weeks ago, all of a sudden, I found myself with lots of quite bemused Arsenal supporters (laughs) following me on Twitter. (laughs) So I can only hope that in this poem they found all they were looking for. (laughs) Highbury Park. In the woods at night, Men are fucking amongst the gorgeous piñatas of the rowdy dendrons, the avenue of cool limes. By day I walk my son down the secret pathways, smell the salt rhyme of sex on the wind, a condom glowing with blossomy comb, knotted and flung. I bury it gently under the moss with my boot, I envy them, these lovers, dark pines beneath their knees, the tarry earth opaline with the desire paths of snails, fallen feathers in the dirt like warnings. I know those days of aching to be touched by no one who knows you. After he was born, I wanted nothing but the wind to hold me. The soft-mouthed breeze coaxing my skin like the grass from a trampled field. How heavenly it seemed then. Light shafting emerald through wounded leaves, the woods a church, we its worshippers. And all that sex, freed from love and duty, like being taken by the wind. Swept from the cloistered rooms of your life, stripped and blown, then jilted, dazzling, in the arms of the trees. So, yes. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) And I'll finish um, with my very darling pigeon poem, The Birmingham Roller. This was the poem that was commended in 2011, Um, and it meant such a lot to me. It was the first poem I'd written using black country dialect, so to have it plucked um, out of all those other poems gave me great courage um, and kind of the impetus to keep going. It was also, at the time, um, the poshest event I'd ever attended in my life, Um, and so posh was it that when we were waiting outside the awards ceremony, Hugh Grant walked past with a tennis racket, just slung over his shoulder. <laughs> and I knew I'd reach some pinnacle of my life. <laughs> Dear old Hugh. Birmingham <laughs> Rowler. We spent our lives down in the blackness. Those birds brought us up to the light. Jim Sherrill, tumbling pigeons in the black country. Went. You're the colour of our town, concrete, steel, oily rainbow of the cut. Our streets are in your wings, our factory chimneys, plumes on your chest, your hearts, the china, our road girls dust in their tranquilment cabinets. Bread to dazzling, in backyards. By men whose ons grew soft as feathers just to touch ya, To cradle you from egg through each death-defying tumble. Little acrobat of the terraces. we winged when we gaze at you. Jimmicking the breeze. Somersaulting through the white-breath prayer of January. And rolling back up like a baby's yo-yo. Caught by the open donny of the clouds. Thanks so much.
3: Oy, oy. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with my commission piece. Um, it's called This Truant Art. Um, And it's about those times when we lose all faith in poetry and its ability to contain or adequately express some grief or pain that we're feeling while being simultaneously compelled to write anyway, as opposed to doing more productive things like cleaning my house or completing my doctoral thesis. (laughs) They're an unreliable tribe, the dead. Poets pile up their elliptical heartbreaks in libraries. An iambic of lukewarm blues doesn't help. Doorstop slabs of inedible Latin, nothing I've read puts paid to this. The honey's undertaste is bile and bad news won't be broken gentle. An elegy or paunchy vowels, cannot take the weight of it. A pain that makes the folded mouth a star-pressed denim pleat and nerves. There's slur and lurry in the grim ionosphere of Sunday afternoons. On days that lack for lustre, structure, centripetal force, I often think of you. A sonnet molders bloatedly, can keep its rosy inklings to itself, it doesn't help. There's you, jaundiced and auriferous on quinine, upholstered in plasmodial light all over gold, and I am shocked, gomeral by the eyesore shine of you, what poems cannot do. What poems can apply or save, the evident body, its fuss and hurt, those days are doom regroups in spasms, cramps in strategy, not tactic. Limbic melee, free for all. What use my lonely delight at the sky, my purse-lipped spinster's portion of joy, even the dog's eye tilts indifferent. What use the cockalorum rooftops, giddy red beneath the rain, Or muntjac moving swat teams stealthy in between the trees and boundary fence. It's all too big. A goblin word that won't be shared or whittled into common sense despite I wield my tongue against its supple green and sappy wood. Bent penknife's blade. We're an unreliable tribe, poets. Myself as well as jobbing liars. What poems cannot save? The slangy impulse of your name, the sherbet cuss of fond to love you. Far beyond the honeyed slush of any banded phrase to conjure you. A glow to strut some starry pose or, needled into mischief, how you'd hang your hinges skewed. The way you moonwalked words, your smile, your agate unregard. There's nothing here. Poet, vestal phobic wreck. A without remedy I spend these months in libraries On long endeavour and divide On poetry, this teary, filigreed regime And make work mood for idle hands Nothing I've read puts paid to this There is only the skies, unshaping blue And the errant body bites itself And the mirror cracks and sings of you Sorry about that um, <laughs> the next is my is my prize winning poem. Um, and apologies to those in from Luton, not necessarily for the poem. I'm, I'm just sorry for you. Um, it's called last <laughs> It's called last exit to Luton. He's a real man, you can tell. All plushy skunk and a dog you'd do well to avoid. Aaron's 23, says he could wear my moony face as a pendant, calls me Tweety Bird. I hang around his neck and Aaron drives. He's taking me out to get buzzed at a club. I'm wearing white denim spotless as a chorister and we are sculling the druggy gale between the tyre shop and the roundabout. We're leaving these scutty streets with their pawned golden thawed meat far behind us. We're away up the town, gone for the gaveled abandon of smashed out me head for fighting squib with binge and living for the weekend. Aaron is not like the boys at home. Dim bulb, chinless wonders who only want to trap you in the maundering bondage of marriage like their mothers. Aaron's got other ideas, got big ideas and vodka and jellies and he understands. I'm mature. Need more than pliant writhing in a narrow bed that howls like a chimney. He says, you're better than them, and he's right. I refuse to end up like that, like the girls at the camp, lank slags, currying love and desperate quaking from spousal apathy. To be one of life's pale remainders, scrubbing my sink and trudging to church, burnt out on a souse downer again. I don't want to be tied to the site, to the tribe, to the old men, their tournaments and sorceries to a fist in the face. I am special. I am rare, want guilt and spree and perfect hair and endless fucking diamonds. He will take me away, I know it. In the club we are spinning until my vision breaks into dizzy splinters, his kisses determine directionality. I'm lipping limoncello, lisping citronella, reeling round my handbag like a wasp around a bin. I see myself in the mirrored ceiling, well impressed with the brittle shimmy of me. Aaron is grinning, and I am watching the weaponized swag of my nails rinsed in warm red light and raving in front of my face, my own face, big as a billboard, all is love, and there is God shining like a migraine. He will take me away, he says, but not today. Tonight, it is back to his flat by flickering inches, and then to bed, this mad, cabbagey firmament where I am rummaged and squirrelled by turns. Aaron is smoking. The smoke hangs in the air like a spook has special effect. His back is baroque with spots, a constellated mire. He does not tell me that he loves me. He tells me I am old for my age. And I smile. And I smile at his Jesus tattoo, pink and coy as a bearded lady. Jesus is smiling too. I have no plans. I don't want to go home. I have school in the morning. And you know what they say about gypsy girls. Our life is either a circus or a zoo. So I'm uh, going to finish with a seasonally appropriate poem. It's from my forthcoming collection, which should be out soon-ish, I think, you know, in that terribly poetry manana sort of way. Um, Anyway, it's called The Rites of Spring. Long day awash with wheezing breath, Sad, soft mood of lesser nettles heading home at 5 a.m. Our mutant cohort treading weather, unkempt earliness we walk in transports, tribal blankets, pixie hooded, resolute. Come again to London, affrighted sky beleaguered wage, the rage we bargain into grief. Count the ribs of half starved dogs while city women shriek like zips. This is spring. The whole world running with green scissors, a cockadoodle spite beneath their skin. Back again, pacing the sprained light of squats, reeling a love we want to dig the lonely breadth of back. Today spent lying better dead against the corkscrew guts of mattresses. This is spring, Neanderthal, with suffering and twitching its teased prick. And we will seek dark spaces. Fold our arms like pharaohs, close our eyes until fury's gold implosion finds us sunshine after cinema, then we will rise, practice our pagan ablutions. Boys in stonewash mood swings, grinning a dissolute wonder. Girls a-tilt with a sauntering kilter, singing to speed and adrenal distress, Old men leading their horses to water, and all the lust they're lame and fumbled with. We will honor you, ghost with vodka bottles smashed for making rainbow mincemeat out of daylight. We will honour you with three-part harmony's chemical dread because this is spring, the whole world under a tourmaline sway. And the gates of the crossbones cemetery, wanton with ribbons, we will honour you, and in the famished hour when sorrow files its weasel teeth and under the wan spin of stars in the unquiet sci-fi of a mind that makes a drowned world from this dockland hush, Hush now, the night is the ambient temperature of a car sick sob, and in the scrubby parkland the litter bins are trying their very best to grow. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Fran and Liz. So we've now reached our final three poets of the evening. The National Poetry Competition, although it's called national, and is actually international, we get entries every year. We've now um, over 130 countries over the last few years. Um, And every year we get entries from every single postcode area of the UK. Every few years nobody enters from Orkney and then when I think we're never going to get anyone from Orkney again, a whole load come and we had winners from Orkney. So, um, But I think that spread uh, of, of and all those voices coming together every year is really something quite special. You can find out a lot about what's on people's minds with the recurrent themes every year, which are so different, but every year there'll be something that's, that lots of people are working on. Um, One of the things in the National Poetry Competition, it so happens that Northern Ireland has featured very, very heavily among the winners, consistently. Um, So we're very delighted, indeed, to have two of our Northern Irish winners here um, this evening. Um, We're going to hear from Stephen Sexton. Um, Stephen lives in Belfast, where he teaches at the Seamus Heaney Centre for Poetry. He's had poems in Granter, Poetry London, and Best British Poetry. His pamphlet, Oils, was published by the Emma Press in 2014. Um, And he was the recipient of um, an Eric Gregory Award in 2018. His first book will be published by Penguin in 2019. He won the competition in 2016 with his poem, The Curfew. We'll then hear from Geraldine Clarkson. Geraldine is a former winner of the Poetry London and Ambit competitions. Her poems have appeared in Poetry, Poetry Review, Rialto, Mislexia, and forthcoming The Valley Press anthology of British prose poetry. Her first poetry pamphlet, Declare, was a Poetry Book Society pamphlet Choice, and her second, Dora Incites the Sea Scribbler to Lament, was a laureate's choice, uh, published by Smith Dorstop in 2016. She's got a prose poetry pamphlet, an audio book, and a full length collection all forthcoming this year. And uh, Geraldine is often among the, the, the kind of the long list every year, um, and she was uh, a winner in 2015 with a poem, St. Rose of Lima's Revenge. Um, we'll then end the evening with Sinead Morrissey. Sinead is now based in Newcastle but she was born in Porterdown in County Armagh, Northern Ireland, and she was Belfast's inaugural poet laureate. She's published six collections with Carcanet, including Parallax, which won the 2013 T.S. Eliot Prize, and On Balance, which won the 2017 Forward Poetry Prize for Best Collection. And she was the winner of the 2007 National Poetry Competition with a poem called Through the Square Window. Please join me in welcoming Stephen Sexton, Geraldine Clarkson, and Sinead Morrissey.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much for being here. really delighted to be reading with uh, with such poets uh, that I admire very much um, and yeah it's been I love the occasion. Um, I'm perhaps especially uh, delighted to be reading poems with, with Sinead who was my, my PhD supervisor and to whom I owe an awful lot um, and in fact I'm, I might be romanticising this a little bit but I think in our final PhD meeting I asked for a little more time to uh, to finish it um, because I had some good news which was I, I had to be called away to London for uh, to receive a prize um, so it was a i very much appreciate that there was an extra couple of weeks granted to uh, to finish it um, so i 'd like to read that poem i 'm going to read three poems i think um, i 'd like to read uh, that poem. I wish I could tell you what it 's about. I have no idea um, <laughs> i I started with this this uh, this image i guess that, that came to me um, of 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 a zoo um, of lots of animals escaping a zoo and and from there i, I didn 't really know where to go. I liked the idea of um, I guess being kind of in an apartment and looking down at this kind of um, chaos and, and a sense of, uh, yeah, being, being trapped, being, being, um, being the one who is caged, uh, that, that sort of sense of thing, that, that viewer. And then it spiraled uh, radically out of control and uh, became something else altogether. Um, but uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to read it. Um, it's called uh, The Curfew. The radicals sprung the locks that night, hurrah, and their lovely collarbones were almost moonly. Rhinos shrieked and bellowed, elephants tromboned, and the animals nosed into town. Sunrise to sunrise, and sunrise we kept indoors. If you can't count your onions, what can you count? My grandfather used to say. He said a lot of things. Among the other miners, he was legendary. When no more than the thought of the pink crumple of his infant daughter's body came to mind, a glow would swell in the pit. The men would mayhem bauxite by the light his tenderness emitted. Some of me lived inside her even then. The memorial fountain says nothing of the weeks before the rescue failed but mentions God, which, as my grandfather used to say, is just the name of the plateau you view the consequences of your living from, or something like that. He said a lot of things. He grew wise and weary as an albatross and left for that great kingdom of nevertheless. It would have pleased his handsome shoulders to watch this grisly scoop for salmon in the fountain of his friends, or the Bengals, or the shakedown squad of chimpanzees who bang and bang on the grocery window. One by one, eleven miners starve to death. In the streets they collar or tranquilize the ocelots and run a spike of ketamine through the plumbing in the fountain. Dromedaries bloomed around the pub, aloof under their reservoirs of fat. I don't sleep. But, oh, Plateau, these days of violence have been my happiest. Even a cabbage is not without desire, my grandfather said one day. And now, among the animals, I feel under my wings the words for things I thought I knew departing, and I understand him. So, because... Um, I've been in a kind of sentimental mood for the last uh, 30 years or so. Um, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd like to read, I'm going to read my the, my commission poem, but I'm going to read a poem before that, if I may. And the commission poem uh, uh, ended up being um, an elegy. Um, it ended up being, and I, was, I so enjoy uh, Fran's, Fran's poem. I totally agree, it's, it's useless, but what's that, that um, you know, that impulse to write an elegy? knowing that it's not gonna do what you want it to do, but you have to do it anyway and all that stuff. It's it's kind of thrilling to me. Um, So I wrote an elegy uh, for Matthew Sweeney, who's a a poet I love very much, who who died last year. Um, And I, you know, wanted wanted to do something. Um, I'd like to read it in a minute. Um, But before that, I'm gonna read a poem of his uh, that I I really like, um, which was the joint second place poem in the 2010 National Poetry Competition. Um, and I thought it would be uh, nice to have his, uh, his voice around. Um, yeah, it's just a poem I have so much joy uh, for. It's called A uh, History of Glass Blowing. The records show that in Shanghai, at the end of the Yuan dynasty, the year 1364, a glass blower blew a mermaid that came to life and swam away. And in Cologne, in 1531, a team of glassblowers blew an orchestra, instruments and all, and these played. Then, on Hokkaido, in 1846, a blind monk blew his own Buddha to pray to, and the next day he was able to see. In Natchez, in 1901, a glassblower blew a paddleboat with gamblers in it, one of them lying Dead. And in Oaxaca in 1929, a small version of the Sierra Madre was blown with gold diggers on its lower slopes, and the whole town filled with gold. In Letterkenny in 1965, a woman blew a block of glass sheep, wool and all, each of them with a tinkly bar. In 1993, in set, the harbour glass blower blew a lighthouse with its own light. And in 2004, in Timisoara, three glasses blew a new solar system that they let float up and away. So the poem that I wrote um, uh, responded to to two words, um, water and offering. Um, And I remember one of uh, Matthew Sweeney's poems that talks about his... uh, his, his gravestone that he wanted to be made of glass and he wanted cactuses to be there. Um, so it's thinking of that. Um, it, starts, um, it starts in a kind of cemetery and then I guess like the first one I read uh, gets radically out of control. Um, it also has a, a little bit of blue language at the start of it, but you'll forgive me, I was blue. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's a lovely thing to be here. Thank you for being here. Water offering for Matthew Sweeney. Oh amigo, what a fucker of a day. The Donegal rain rinses the meadow and the sign checkers of the August fair observe the peaks and troughs of country music from an accordion set to French in the bright, accurate village. And hadn't the florist insulted me years before, I'd have worn the head of a yellow rose as a boutonniere and waited while the industry of rain played the bonnet of the car, like a thousand typists at their typewriters. And a thousand typists at their typewriters will one day end up with the story of the clarinet duo of seagulls, crimson and jazz of beak, who came to my windowsill one night, laughing about skiffs and scores of herring. And they told me the story, passed down from ancient ancestor to ancestor, from German cousin and in-law, of your being born here by the coast, and what it said you saw, the dream house with its zen garden of sand raked in circles. And I told them about the florist, and what was meant to be a compliment, and how each Monday in my office I offer a drink of water to the little cactus, between the dictionary and the thesaurus who any day now will rupture into blossom. Thanks.
5: Good evening. Thank you very much to the Poetry Society for this um, Invitation to write and read a commission uh, amongst such a dazzling array of poets um, quite unexpectedly and marvelously um, Matthew Sweeney as well and before an equally dazzling array of poets in the audience and Twitter friends and family members and I couldn't say which is the most intimidating and um, happy anniversary to the National Poetry Competition and I'd like to dedicate this first poem to the Poetry Society for the phenomenal work that they do to nurture and support poetry and poets. You taught me a new way of singing, the words thick in my throat. Like birds caroling, cat calls, badger jazz, and all manner of tunes squirrelled away for the future. The lessons burnt in my gullet until I in my turn had taught them to others and then two, four, seven, ten 10 of us were singing together and jamming, thrumming and humming, stipple tonguing in clots and gobs of sound. Dribbling and sliding, colliding in cords and climbing double handed, a knotted bat's cradle treehouse skirling with hymns. Us busking in Basque arabesque, you bosky, you buzzing, you clopping in time. I remember very clearly getting the news about the national commendation. I was in New York, it was my birthday, it was snowing, and because of the time difference, the call came through at about seven in the morning from the Poetry Society about my poem um, concerning St. Rose of Lima. By chance, the apartment where I was staying overlooked St. Patrick's Cathedral. And the previous day, I'd been to look around and had discovered a tiny chapel dedicated to St. Rose of Lima and had lit a candle there. So it all seemed very good serendipity. And um, the poem references a story from the saint's hagiography, um, one of her wheezes for avoiding being married off. St. Rose of Lima's Revenge At a rough-backed hour, Wound round with olive light, the pink-cheeked, would-be anchorite slides past date palms and scarlet trumpet lilies in the colonial garden, intent on the far spinny, where wiry trees like acolytes surround a simple hut her heart always skips to reach. Holy time before the porcelain-jowled suitors damn them. Begin to cue. Their arms and brows, pale as the dough which Madre leaves in the sideways sun to rise. Their insect voices, urgent and micaridoing, as they bend low to moan her name. Always, always she is called back just when Hermano's son peeks up to play, called back along the manicured paths, the geometric beds called back from the wooded place cloaked in verde and all alone with the beloved expected, called in by a maid as senor so-and-so is waiting and his father is so importante, pretty Rosita. Siesta time, she flits again down to the cool grotto for an hour in cool heliconia and fuchsia, till again some Raphael or Gregorio in the lobby And oh, the slippery grasping insistence when you are so spent and your legs and arms so limp and the cushions in the parlour so soft and grateful. Ah, but she'll show them. She plucks two pods as she passes in at the kitchen door, scores their seams, draws moist flesh across her eyelids and cheeks like a society lady's brightener and they begin to smart and swell. Ah, my Rosa, at last, her mother turns, then gasps at Rosa's eyes, dancing and red, skin puckering into pustules, fresh chili juice dripping at her fingertips. The suitors look and look away, and then, covertly, look again. I have a special fondness for Saint Rose of Lima, as in another life, I spent time in a monastic order for my sins, including some time in Peru, where she's the national saint. The full version of the poem is on the Poetry Society website and will be in my first collection later this year. That's the first time I've said that. (laughs) And, I will close with my commission poem, which is a prose poem based on two words from the previous competition lists, which together make up the title. The first word is a French cooking pot, and it's only tangentially about Brexit, (laughs) which has probably been kicking off this evening while we've been here. Dobier Nights. I, Seraphima, here in larky France, its mellifluent core. It's late in the day and in the year. These last dingy December nights I spend in my kitchen, scouring iron bottoms of my 12 wedding saucepans, shining a constellation of cake tins and aluminium bodies of five fiddle-shaped jambonnières, fit for ham haunches come New Year. But ma merveille, anniversary gift of 47 years' marriage, is my giant shoehorn-handled dobiere, a masterpiece in copper, culinary fortress. While I keep watch, my husband Obadiah sleeping a bed off left, his breathing mimicking the rasp of the boiler, its ak-ak railing. He's rehearsing battles with Ladame Disaster, who dominates his days now, Three years since, he had his fill of newspapers and quartered some pages from our pot-bellied Old Testament. And these few, tucked into his Bible belt, are all he reads now. He has them memorized, beating new perennial paths in his brain, a stay against forgetting for when they take the books. I keep la dame at bay at night with eucalyptus oil and the holy archangel Michael. So I've got out the old air, and I'm rubbing it tonight, the eve of holy innocence. Soon I'll place a dozen plump shanks, like enfants sleeping in their cot, and cover them with medallions of parsnip and carrot with a, a gauze of oil and rosemary on top, layered like a lazy-daisy counterpane over their sleeping forms. Let's braise a little. It's my way of making a daub on the grey lady's face, setting a handful of saffron into the soupy gloom, stirring in a soup of something bright. I cook to rebuke her. The days go better with nights in vigil. I'll cook each night until Epiphany. It'll keep till spring fermenting a little through February and March, green and living. Neighbours will share. They too swell and dwindle with fortunes and children, and the grey lady tempts them too, her snatching pixies swinging on their window catches, giggling like babies with pinchable thighs. Till they latch on unexpectedly, expertly, and then suddenly, la dame's at the table wheedling Passing the time of day, her arguments subtle and intricate as double-stitched doilies under the fancies. San Michel stands us in good stead. I kiss the mirrored lid, admire my apple cheeks. It's my time. Stories drop like fireflies into large traps. I flip a coin. I'm nursemaid to the stars, my solitary vigil, all silver qui vive. Obadiah and I are spots and stripes, contrapunctual. Dovetailed and functioning, me, I side with the buttercups and moon lilies, hope's auntie, sappy, tilting my head to the moon, in filling lunar juice for the day ahead my tided strength he benefits each comfort-baked cake and consoling casserole a moratorium on bad news he slides his shivers privately in his troubled bottom bunk sleep while i breathe rough ovals onto my dobieur's rose belly and rub lady disasters dumb by night deep in dog dreams, by my back door. Thank you.
6: Hello everyone, well done, you've got to the end. (laughs) Um, I won't keep you very long, um, I'm going to read the poem that won all those years ago in 2007, and it's called Through the Square Window, and it was inspired by an experience of paralysis, which I'm sure many of you have, always, have also experienced that that uncomfortable moment when you wake up, but your body hasn't woken up yet and you can't move. Um, and so an image for that um, Experience came first, and uh, that's at the end of the poem, and then I, I just sort of work backwards from there. Through the Square Window. In my dream, the dead have arrived to wash the windows of my house. There are no blinds to shut them out with. The clouds above the lock are stacked Like the clouds are stacked above Delft, they have the glutted look of clouds over water. The heads of the dead are huge. I wonder if it's my son thereafter, his effortless breath, his ribbon of years, But he sleeps on, unregarded in his cot, inured it would seem quite naturally to the sluicing and battering and paring back of glass that delivers this shining exterior. One blue boy holds a rag in his teeth between pins, like a conjurer, and then as suddenly as they came, they go. And there is a horizon from which only the clouds stare in. The massed canopies of Hazelbank, bank, the severed tip of the Strangford Peninsula. And a density in the room I find it difficult to breathe in until I wake. Flat on my back with a cork in my mouth stopper-bottled, in fact, like a herbalist's cure for dropsy. And then to the commission, so I took Um, There were two word clouds, one of very common words and and one of very unusual words, or words used only once. So my common word was stars, and my unusual word, you've already heard and I hadn't realised, but it was in Ian Duig's poem, um, 1919, and it's maganistas, and I had to look it up. (laughs) Uh, And it was a revolutionary movement in Mexico in the early years of the last century. Uh, There's an urban legend that Charles Manson auditioned for the Monkees in 1965. And I couldn't imagine how... I I couldn't help but wonder how that might have gone. (laughs) Charles Manson auditions for the Monkees, 1965. If my music... Jingle jangle, dust rush, skitter in the U-bend of my bloodstream, spike through my waking hours like needle pricks or tiny radioactive shards of stars or tin foil touched to a filling. Came together with your music, man we'd stand and warm our hands. And I get it, yes sir, I get it, the remit, slick. Bland, biosynthetic, so copycat the cool cats wouldn't buy it, but who needs the cool cats? Mile-wide smiles, goofball sweaters, guys so sweet no Elvis savaged mother could object. A million records, easy, add a sprinkle of my moonjack spice to the soda pop, just a line, Just a tap, we're talking Richter. We're talking stratospheric, a gazillion hangdog chicks on their lonesome, shelling out. And where are the fab four headed? South, off the map. That's a lot of love left over. Madness, wanted, folk and roll singer musicians, fine. I can do work. I can do TV. But why stop there? We could be warriors, trailblazers, neo-magnistes, the bullet in the brain of Archduke Ferdinand, sugar match to the flame. All those daddy-girl runaways packing their sorry bags, they're gonna need a soundtrack. You want to see them roll up their sleeves and proffer their plaintive arms? Let's Give them it. And uh, after this fantastic um, celebration of 40 years of the National Poetry Competition and all these fantastic uh, readings and poems by the ten poets tonight, I couldn't help thinking that um, of poetry really as a portal, um, as a, a kind of condensed little a box of magic that allows you to, to go somewhere else against against all likelihood, really. So um, I thought I'd finish with a tiny little portal poem. Um, and it's inspired by reading uh, Rudyard Kapuscinski's book Imperium. Um, and uh, this describes uh, two trips to uh, Russia. Um, and in one, he he's up in the far north in Siberia. And uh, he thinks it's very cold. And he meets a little girl and she's playing in puddles. And he's making conversation with her and he says, oh, it's very cold today. And she says, you call this cold? This is not cold. Cold is when you breathe out and your breath condenses around your body. And, and then when you move on, this shadow of, your st- of yourself stays in the air. So you can tell who's already gone to school before you arrive in the building. So a little portal poem to finish. Thank you all uh, so much for coming and thank you to the Poetry Society. Happy birthday to the Poetry Society uh, and thanks to all the wonderful poets I've shared this evening with. Shadows in Siberia, according to Kapuscinski, are upright, cast not by sunlight, but by frozen breath. We breathe and are enveloped in an outline. And when we pass, this outline stays suspended, not tethered to our ankles as our sun shadows are. A boy was here, fantastically dressed against the Arctic frost like an heirloom glass in bubble wrap he has disappeared into the portico of himself. Not even Alice, with her knack for finding weaknesses in the shellac of this world, left so deft, a calling card. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for being here to share this evening um, with us. Um, Do stay around, chat, meet the poets, um, join the Poetry Society. You can all do it. And then you get new poems every couple of months in the Poetry Review. And next week, in that very magazine, you will find out who has won this year's National Poetry Competition. The winners are announced next Wednesday. Enter yourself persuade someone else in your life to do it. Don't forget, you can get a free entry with the card. But most of all, please join me once more in thanking all the shadows who hang in the air, all the poets who have been part of this amazing competition over the years and the people who've run it and judged it, but especially our 10 marvellous physical shadows of poetry. Ian Dewig, Mark Pajak, Mary Jean Chan, Caleb Parkin, um, Liz Berry, Fran Locke, Joe Shapcott, Stephen Sexton, Geraldine Clarkson, and Sinead Morrissey. Thank you once more.
1: don't forget that you yourself can enter this year's National Poetry Competition. You can enter at poetrysociety.org.uk forward slash npc and with all poems read anonymously by the judges, it's a level playing field, whether you're a new face or an established writer. That's poetrysociety.org.uk forward slash npc. This has been a podcast from the Poetry Society. If you'd like to find out more about our publications, competitions, projects or events, visit us online at poetrysociety.org.uk. This has been a podcast from the Poetry Society. If you'd like to find out more about our publications, competitions, projects or events, visit us online at poetrysociety.org.uk.